0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. name up Until somehow, some way, Aaron Rodgers emerges from the darkness and speaks to the world, we're going to continue to speak for him. And until he sits down with Pat McAfee and tells us what the darkness told him, there's going to be a lot of presumption. And for all of the guessing about where Aaron Rodgers could end up, what if the real answer is that he's going to end up right back in Green Bay? And if so, what's that mean for everybody else? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. You can follow us on, on Twitter at hdouglas eighty three at Jason Fitch you can also watch us in the ESPN app because it is dressed for success Wednesday and we are dashingly good looking but here's the thing I'm just sitting here going about my day you know eating my healthy food after my workout thinking about where Aaron Rodgers is going to go cuz that's what all grown ass men do and I'm just sitting here figuring out where's Aaron Rodgers going to go what's it going to mean for the entire landscape of the NFL and then all of a sudden Harry all of a sudden, Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL analyst, just lays this little, might as well have said, Fitz has been right all along, sauce out on Get Up. Check out what he said about Aaron Rodgers and his likely next destination.
1: It's a conversation I had with a very important Green Bay Packers source who quite honestly believes that Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers and that all of this is being overhyped. He looks at the contract that Aaron Rodgers signed last year, the commitment that he gave to the team, and believes that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers.
0: Ooh, toot my own horn. I've been telling you here for how long? Mr. Cleo's right. HD, there is a real question, though. Like, if this happens, then what for everybody else?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, The Jets need to move faster to sign Derek Carr to their roster um, and be the quarterback to lead them. And then everything else can just fall in place that way. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Aaron Rodgers ended up back with the Green Bay Packers. you got to remember, they did not make the playoffs this season. And in the last game of the year, that's what it came down to. They lost to the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions. That was the (laughs) team. And Jarrett Goff outplayed Aaron Rodgers. Jarrett Goff had to go down and lead his team to a touchdown drive. Aaron Rodgers got the ball back and threw an interception. You don't want your last play as a quarterback ever to be an interception in a Green Bay Packers uniform. It might be a sense in Aaron Rodgers' head that, you know what, we do have unfinished business. That's not the way I want to go out. Also, Fitz, I'll bring to the attention of everyone, what other organization, if Aaron Rodgers decides he's going somewhere else, and granted the Green Bay Packers got to trade him, who's going to let Aaron Rodgers behave the way he's been able to behave? I mean, outside of the Green Bay Packers,
0: no, nobody, right? Like, uh, if I make Harry Douglas already the coach of this show, the GM of this show, all right? I'm Aaron Rodgers' agent, and I come in and say, "Well, A. A. would like to play for your team, and he would like a two-year deal worth massive money. Why would you do that? Like, why? Why, why would you bank as a GM? That why would you depend your job on the ability to bank on Aaron Rodgers? Being reliable for you year in and year out right now. Not as a player, but as the human being that wants to go to the darkness and a human being that may or may not show up for OTAs and a human being that and may or may I gotta, not be I gotta, invested. i
1: got to walk it back because I hate the word behave because it make it sound like someone's a child. Who is going to let him... Do the things that he does with the Green Bay Packers with their organization. Let me put it that way. Uh,
0: and that's and that's fair. You know, I think all of this comes into the complicated conversation around Aaron Rodgers. And look, there's complicated conversations around all these quarterbacks that we constantly are trying to find a reason are going to move. And one of those is Derek Carr. You know, and when you start thinking about what it means for Derek Carr, here's the thing: I'm I'm the one that last week said, "Man, the Jets should never let him out out of the building." And and we don't know. We don't know if the Jets talked to him, and his people were like, hey, he wants to take a bunch of visits. Let's not talk turkey right now. Let's not start talking contract. But if you're Derek Carr, if if there's any concept that Aaron Rodgers might come back, then that only explains more why you're going to take your time in making your decision because no Aaron Rodgers changes your leverage drastically. Now you are the – if Aaron Rodgers is not at all going to go anywhere else, Derek Carr becomes the most appealing quarterback on the market, which means he can go in and say, sorry, guys,
1: yesterday's price is not today's price. Ooh, you're right about that. But that's also why the Jets probably want to hurry up and get something done. But they also should – you know, open their pocketbooks up a little bit more because you don't have that Aaron Rodgers piece. But I mean, we heard from Derek Carr's brother, David Carr, that he was going to take his time throughout this process. If Aaron Rodgers decides he's going back to to the Green Bay Packers, woo, Derek Carr has a hell of a lot of leverage when it comes to any team that wants to sign a quarterback. And we all know there's a ton of teams that need a quarterback but they are not enough quarterbacks to go around to those teams.
0: Well, and one of those teams are the Jets. And remember, this is what Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, said yesterday on this show about the Jets' sales pitch specifically to Derek Carr. Hey, Derek, come here, be a Jet. You're going to win with us, and you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like that, that is how confidence they have in this roster in New York, and they think that Derek Carr can be that good of a fit and, and, and really bring them a championship to New York. I mean, first ball, first of Hall of Famer. I don't know how I feel about that sales pitch, Harry. Your, your face says it all, brother. Your face is
1: whoo, it's saying it all. Now the Jets may have took it a little too far. Sometimes we can take it too far. Like you was talking about, you know, someone being compared to Whitney Houston in the national anthem. You took it far. You took it too far that day. The Jets took it too far with I mean, this. Stapleton one. was in the same. Re- like. Stop. No, okay. You took it too far. It in, okay. The Jets okay. took it too far. Okay. With, the, with with this statement, I'm just I'm just I'm just being honest. You know, you uh, Derek Derrick Carr can do some great things with the with the New York Jets, but he's not going to be no first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: You and I talked the it made an analogy uh, earlier in the week. About you know an agent, and we were talking about Daniel Jones firing his agent, hiring a new one. You had some experience there. When you're going in and hiring a new agent, which no matter what you do in entertainment at different times, you have to do that, right? If I walk into an agent, and his first, the first thing, he, he looks at me right now today, looks at me and says, man, I'm going to make you more famous than Stephen A., I'm not going to hire that agent because I know he'll lie right to my face. Like at that point, the minute he says that, it's like, nope, you are lying right. to If you're going to lie to my face today, you are going to lie to my face forever. If the Jets looked at Derek Carr and said we can make you a first ballot Hall of Famer, he should have just packed all of his stuff. I up can't bed. trust like, you. I can't trust you. Trust- we got trust I issues. Trust haven't even made it through our first date <laughs> and we have trust issues. Like I-, I, I can't buy any portion of that. Like I know that Derek Carr wants to feel. I don't. I shouldn't say I know. I believe Derek. Carr wants to feel valued wherever he goes. And I do believe that the Raiders didn't do a good job of that for the last couple of years, and it really has him feeling some kind of way. I can believe all of that at the same time and say there has to be some truth to that valuing, because right now if you're looking at Derek Carr and telling him he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you are simply a snake oil salesman saying whatever it takes to get him in the building.
1: And he's had a decent career, you know, over 3,500 yards, over 215 touchdowns, 99 interceptions. Mm -hmm. I think his completion percentage is above 64%. But as far as first ballot Hall of Famer, no, that's not happening. And we also got to look at his playoff success and the lack of, though. You know, he lost to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, a year ago, not this past season, but the year before that. The other time that they went to the playoffs, he wasn't available to play against the Houston Texans. Uh, but Derek Carr has done some some good things in this league. And I think he would be good for the New York Jets. I think he's a quarterback that they actually need. Uh, they need some kind of quarterback, something that's not on their roster right now because the way those guys performed last season, uh, I, I don't think Robert Sala would even want his job if those guys were the quarterback starting on day, on day one either.
0: Well, and, and it only makes me think he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, by the way. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. It only makes me think even more about you know the the fact that leverage exists if i'm every other team if i'm the panthers if i'm the saints if, I, if I'm Tampa Bay, any team that is trying to figure out their quarterback position, I'm making that call right now. Because my God, the price is only going to keep going up and up and up, and you can put pressure on the Jets in this process also. Like If I'm cars camp, like I understand getting some steak dinners is a nice way to feel loved and wanted, and maybe you want to go around the country and do that with a bunch of people. Make sure you're making the right decision. I think there's some wisdom to doing it that way. But if I'm the Jets, man, if I hear this report that the Packers believe he's coming back to Green Bay, that only makes me pucker up a little bit more because if you don't have Derek Carr and you don't have Aaron Rodgers and I don't believe you'll have Lamar Jackson the Jets have a better shot right now the Jets have a better shot of running it back next year with what they already have than they do of landing any of these star quarterbacks and that's Ooh. not good enough
1: and, and I will say this and for everyone listening and watching if it was if this was a year where you had about five or six solid quarterbacks that potentially could be hitting the free agent market, then that's a different ball game. Then Derek Carr is trying to sign as soon as he could. But that's not the case this season. That's why for him, being able to wait things out as long as he wants to wait those things out is going to play into, right into his hands. And I say even with Aaron Rodgers, though, Fitz, because Aaron Rodgers, in my eyes, is the only guy that he's competing against right now when it comes to that quarterback market.
0: Yeah, and I don't, uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're not worried about anybody else. You can do that when you're top dog. Like, you know, if we're going to go out there and, and do a a field day for this show, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to have like our own field day out there, like the three of us are going to be worried about Harry Douglas. Harry Douglas ain't going to be worried about any of the three of us, right? Like, nope. it, it, that that's just the way that's going to go. So, you're, you're totally right uh, that the conversation is different. The college basketball season's heating up. That means Wendy's wooden watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com. Search wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Watch uh, Wooden Award nominees to watch as this season rolls on. Brought to you by Wendy's two for six bucks, the best deal in fast food, and also the maker of the single greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life—a frosty. I'm telling you, Junior Bacon Cheeseburger and a Frosty is an untouchable combo. I don't care what anybody in the world tells me. Coming up, a Super Bowl champion's living up to his nickname by throwing shade at his former team. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: The 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, Tommy Smith and John Carlos took the medal stand with a purpose after claiming gold and bronze, respectively, in the 200-meter dash.
0: During the national anthem, they bowed their heads and raised gloved fists to symbolize black power and transcendent protest against racial discrimination in the United States. The moment marked, quote, a cry for freedom and for human rights, Smith once said. He went on to say, quote, we had to be seen because we couldn't be heard. Black History Always, celebrating Black History Month on ESPN Radio.
1: Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I think that Eric Bieniemy also recognized that maybe it was time for him to move on. I don't hear many of his players come out talking about how great he is. They, they give him cursory like compliments or whatnot, but I don't ever hear anybody say that this team could work because of him. Life has never been fair. Has it been fair to Eric Bieniemy so far trying to get a job as a head coach? No, but hopefully he can be successful in Washington and he'll finally get an opportunity to become a head coach.
0: Not all commentary on Eric B. Enemy is going to be created equal. And some of it is going to have perspective that others don't. But what do you do when that perspective is based not just on the player, the coach, but also on their experiences together creates an interesting dilemma as we try and figure out why Eric Bienemy is where he is. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series XM channel lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, if you guys didn't see the comments, LaShawn McCoy, often known as Shady, said on FS1 speak about Eric Bienemy. This is his quote. I wish him well, but Washington, don't let the Chiefs' success of coaching titles fool you. The traits or skills you need to be a good coordinator, I haven't seen or witnessed it. It was part of a very long sort of speech that he was giving in his thought process of what he's seen from Eric Bieniemy. Now, Jamal Charles responded, his quote, I have to disagree with you, Shady. Bieniemy coached me for four years. I learned so many things from EB, and I still keep in contact with him. A great husband and father, he deserves to be a head coach. When I saw all of this go down, all I kept thinking about, Harry, is I needed your expertise on it. You have been in a locker room, and it's so key to me to understand that not every player-coach relationship is equal. Not every player-coach relationship is the same. When you saw these comments from Shady, what did you think?
1: The first thing that came to my mind was that that was LaShawn McCoy's feeling. That, that That's what he experienced with Coach Eric Bieniemy. Um, there have been a lot more other people that have come out and been very supportive of Eric Biony and what he's been able to do for them in their careers. And you just talked about Jamal Charles and what he's been able to say about him. Also, when you when you when you hear about you know guys and their experiences, this is what we got to understand and realize. His relationship with Eric Biony may be enemy may be one way, but everyone else in that room may have a wonderful experience. And I've went through that. When the the ten years that I played, there were coordinators that I was close to and cool with, but not necessarily, you know, other people in my receiver group may have liked those like those guys, and vice versa with position coaches as well. Um, there were people that I went in Tennessee that 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 I was fond of, but not other players were. And it's like that sometimes, right? And LaShawn McCoy has every right to say what he felt about Eric Bieniemy because he was coached by him. Jamal Charles has every right to say what he feels about Eric Bieniemy because he was coached by him as well. But it also lets, you know, fans know and people know who are hearing different sides of it. Everything isn't peaches and cream in the locker room. People have their differences. People have coaches that they like that they do like. People have the coaches that they dislike. The, the, the main goal, though, is don't let it spill out onto the football field, right? If you have your differences, it, it, it that's okay. Don't let it disrupt or interrupt what we're trying to do and what our common goal is, and for every team, that's win a Super Bowl. But the the, the disliking between player and coach, that that happens a lot. Trust me. It, it, it happened with some of the, the people I'm closest with that I played in the National Football League with and, and coaches that I am close with. So it it, it happens. It happens.
0: And I've seen this in every walk of life. Like I say all the time, Harry, that nobody likes everybody and nobody is liked by everybody. That's just that's just the way it goes. Like, yeah. little moments in relationships can create huge divides that people aren't even aware of, and, and frankly, I've even seen it here. I won't go into detail with who, but uh, you and I have been friends for a long time, and there's somebody that we've worked with in the past that one day had something to say about Harry Douglas, and I was like, whoa, whoa, you are barking up the wrong tree, you know, because <laughs> you just never know. In relationships, you never know what somebody is taking the wrong way or a different way, some kind of way, especially when you work together in the quarters that football teams work to, And I live this on tour bus. It's like one comment on a tour bus can change the way you think about everybody because you're in those rooms all day. You never get a break. And so like the little things just add up and up and up. And so for me... I don't think any one statement can be the definition of a player-coach relationship. I need a bunch of statements. And, you know, in this situation, my first thought was, who else have we heard come out saying negative things about Eric bien Like Like, it, it is very true that this can be LaShawn McCoy's experience. But if this isn't the experience of a bunch of people, and there have been a bunch of people that played for him had the opportunity to come out, like, w- nobody else is saying what he's saying. There are people that don't play anymore in the league that would have plenty of opportunity to sit in front of a microphone and trash Eric Bieniemy if they wanted to that played for him, and they yeah. haven't. Shady McCoy's won, but that's, that's one, man. Like, that's one. I can't make one everything.
1: And, and here's my thing, though. And everyone's entitled to their own speech. Would he say that about everybody that has coached him at some point? Right. Whether it was college, whether it was the National Football League, if he didn't like them and those people were up for a head coaching job uh, or trying to get one, would he come out and say it then? So something had to have had 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 happened between Eric B and LaShawn McCoy. But I hope it's more so on his experience and, and not just, OK, personal. You know what I mean? I, I don't want it to be personal when you when you give your analysis of a coach i want it to be more so on the 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 side of okay this is what i've seen this is what i'm going with this is not because i hate this this young man as 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 a human being
0: there's just this moment for me where, like, I realize I'm not everybody's cup of tea in life. Like, I'm an energizer bunny of energy at three in the morning and three in the afternoon. I realize that that can wear people the wrong way, especially when you work with people every single day. I know that there are there are quirks to working with me that can be difficult for some people. I I fully see that and accept that as Devin uh, wildly raised, just his head's going up and down saying, finally, my God, he's speaking
1: the truth. Boy, y'all be surprised, people, that I didn't like coaching wise. Boy, y'all would be surprised if I ever came out and told y'all. I
0: mean, but That's that's sort of the thing, though, like not everybody gets everybody. It just doesn't work like chemistry is is hard, especially in a locker room. And, you know, frankly, Chad Henney, by the way, two time Super Bowl champion uh, that just retired from the Chiefs. He was on Keyshawn J. Willimax. This is what he said about the enemy and the motivation behind leaving Kansas City for Washington.
1: I think uh, he just wants to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid, and um, I think he just wants to prove
0: himself that he can go out and run an offense by himself, and I think he can do that. He's a leader of men, and I think this is the best chance for him to prove himself rather than kind of having the hierarchy around him. He can do it. I know he can get get it done. Chad Henney is no longer going to be playing for the Chiefs. He had every opportunity to say what he wants to say there. You've pointed out before, Alex Smith. Somebody that you know certainly sits in front of a microphone. He can say whatever he wants to say. And at some point, M- McCoy, you have to look at the past, too. It, he told ESPN in the magazine in 2015 regarding Chip Kelly, his quote, the relationship was never really great. I feel like I always respected him as a coach. I think that's the way he runs his team. He wants full control. You see how fast he got rid of all the good players, especially all the good black players. He got rid of them the fastest. That's the truth. There's a reason. It's hard to explain with him, but there's a reason he got rid of all the black players, the good ones like that. So when you look at some of this and you piece all of it together, Shady McCoy can have an experience that he feels is very authentic to what he lived in the NFL. And I can't say that loud enough. Like, Harry, I'm not sitting here saying that he's making stuff up. I'm not saying he's lying. I'm saying he's got a particular perspective of his experience. That doesn't mean it's everybody's.
1: And he has every right, you know, to state what he wants to state because that's the country we live in, right? We have free speech. So if he feels a certain way – I'm not going to sit up here and fault him from doing so, but we also have heard the positive side of players when it has come to Eric Biennium and and what he's been able to do for them.
0: And now that he's opened that can of worms, it'll be interesting to see if other former players want to come out and say anything because he's certainly given that runway for other players to support him. We'll keep you updated on any breaking developments we get as that story continues to unfold. But in the meantime, All-Star Weekend in the NBA brought new attention to the load management debate But the players may have actually just solved the problem. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: If there's anything I could change about the league to make it better, probably just all the guys sit and rest.
0: If all we do every time somebody accomplishes something is say, well, let's see it in the playoffs, then who cares what happens in a February game?
1: I don't disagree with either side. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. If there's anything I could change about the league to make it better, probably just all the guys sitting resting. That's the only thing I probably don't like. The NBA has devalued their
0: regular season. We've been part of it. If all we do every time somebody accomplishes something is say, well, let's see it in the playoffs, or uh, how many championships do you have, then who cares what happens in a
1: February game? I don't disagree with either side. I I do think that players should play when healthy, uh, but there is a happy medium you can find. For
0: all the conversation we're having about load management and whether or not players should play more games, maybe what we should be doing instead of just talking about the players is listening to them because they may have actually solved the entire issue. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, 888, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want to get you guys in on this conversation because The Athletic put together a poll. They, they spoke to players, uh, all-stars, guys in the Skills Challenge, three-point contest, slam dunk contest. Uh, during the all-star festivities, they talked to a group of players and they floated out several different Ideas to try and figure out how players feel about certain concepts. One of the things that they threw out to players was how many games should a player have to play to be MVP? Now, there were votes of anything from 62 games uh, to 82 games, and that's where this really gets interesting because 82 games, every single game was on the list. DeMar DeRozan said all of them, 82. Minimum, 78. And as much as I roll my eyes at that, uh, the concept of that, Harry, There is some truth to the fact that in a world where contracts and greatness are often associated with the awards that you get, tying your eligibility for a regular season award to how many games you play would be a tremendous way to incentivize great players to be on the court more.
1: The only difference is you do have those injuries that do occur to those players. Um, What's the number of games uh, in order for these guys to be eligible for, you know, the MVP award, I don't think it can be 82. That, that's that's crazy to me. Um, I don't think it can be 75. I also think that's crazy to me. This 82 game season. And if something arises and puts one of these players in a position to where they can't go out there and play and perform due to injury, are they supposed to be penalized for that? Now
0: I mean, didn't we do that in the NFL though? Like, because it feels like the number of times I heard Jalen Hurts would have been the MVP if he didn't get hurt. Isn't that in some ways just doing the same exact thing? Like if all he would have had to do was just put himself out there on the court on the on the field, he wins the
1: MVP. But that's a seventeen game season though. So it's 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 kinda it's kinda hard to say it football wise because yeah, those two games were significant losses in Jalen Hurts not being there, and we did see how valuable he was to his team, so that should have been taken in, in, into account. We've seen what the what what the Philadelphia Eagles looked like without Jalen Hurts for those two weeks, and a lot of people feel as if he would have played in those two games. They probably would have had only one loss on the year in the regular season. Uh, when it comes to these NBA players, it's eighty-two games, so it's 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 a lot more games that you're dealing with, a lot more toll on their body. So I do understand that injuries might might occur and it might come up. It's just a, What's the number of games in order to make this go into effect? What what's the logic behind the games that that they're that they're looking at?
0: Well, and I think where it gets complicated too is like. This is anytime you make a rule. I believe you got to make a rule, understanding the worst case scenario. Like, how will this rule get butchered? Who will yell and scream if it's if it's put in place? I can already hear in my head somebody that comes out and gives us a historic sixty games, the best games you've ever seen in your life. But early in the season, they were injured, and now they're simply not eligible for the MVP award. Like that would be something people would yell and scream about, right? Like, so there is an optics portion of it, but I do wonder if there is some level of being able to to find some in-between number you know Ty- Tyrese Halliburton who was part of this uh, survey for the athletics said I don't think there should be a requirement I think it's overblown I think the idea of having to set a game minimum amount or whatever I think it's dumb if this guy gets hurt how can he control that and if he's the best player in the league that year having the best year what can you do I think the voters take that into consideration logically I think that's very true but if we do think that a small incentive to play could come by having a minimum number of games. Is it in fact worth it even if it takes somebody out of consideration?
1: The thing is, who is going to be taken out of consideration? Right? Because now if we're talking about a LeBron, if we're talking about a Kevin Durant, if we're talking about one of these big name players that drive that can drive a small market team to 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 have some relevance, then I don't think that'd be good for the NBA. Uh, it's,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, they're, they're, I don't know what the number is,
1: right? Because, look, look let, let me bring up scenario. Let's just say hypothetically next year you have Jokic gets injured. You have NB gets injured. You have KD. I'm just saying hypothetically. You have LeBron and all these guys miss 10-plus games. But we know these guys are MVP caliber. What position are you putting the NBA in now?
0: Yeah, you're right. You're putting the NBA in a terrible position, and then we're going to start to qualify MVPs. Like that's what you don't want is you don't want five years from now to be having a debate about a winner of the Defensive Player of the Year award, saying, "Well, he only won it because due to yeah, somebody else couldn't." <laughs> right, and that's what's that's what's even Bam Adebayo, who was also part of the survey, said. If a guy plays 50 games, but he's the best player in those 50 games, hard to justify not giving it to him. Like this becomes a really curious, like, it's it's a way to incentivize. It's almost like and I don't know how you do this, but it's almost like I wish there was a a tick, like a bonus, like when you were in high school and there was like a bonus, uh, extra credit that you could get on a test. I wish there was a way to give extra credit for playing more games without necessarily having to dock if you don't play enough. I just don't think that there's a system that can be created uh, that does that. Evan, the producer extraordinaire, raised your hand. I don't know why. Apparently raised. I said high school and immediately because he's like four foot two <laughs> he raised his hand all right Evan uh, what do you have in the back in the fourth grade section yeah no I, I actually like do you say this but do people do players care like we keep talking all the time about championships in the NBA and LeBron doesn't have as many as Jordan and Kevin Durant only has 2 and all that like do players care about the MVP enough or is it all about the championships like when Giannis won two straight MVPs all he talked about was I don't really care I want to win the championship so do players care enough about the MVPs to push forward and play more for that award
1: uh, I think financially contracts. Yeah well, certain things in, in, in these players contracts if they win an MVP award um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, me personally, being a former you know, professional athlete, I, I would prefer a championship over an MVP award any and every day because since you've been a kid since I was four or five years old, that was the goal is to win a championship. Uh, but also you do want to be recognized for your individual play. I'm pretty sure Jason Tatum wants a championship, but on top of it, I'm pretty sure he wants to win an MVP award of the National Basketball Association.
0: The Athletic did an article on Jordan Poole's contract. Poole will make an extra million dollars if he wins MVP. He makes an extra million dollars if he wins Defensive Player of the Year. So you start to think about what those mean. That's where it becomes interesting. However, there is another incentive in Jordan Poole's contract that could also be part of the answer that the league could adopt. I'll tell you about it. Uh, Plus, we'll take your calls. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Should there be a minimum number of games in the NBA that you got to play to win their awards? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. We'll take more of your calls, and I'll tell you the one contingency that is sitting in Jordan Poole's contract that could also save all of this. Of course, are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, squeaking? Minor purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts. They'll install them for free. What's better than that? See, see better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop by today or learn more at OReillyAuto.com. We'll let you guys weigh in on this. Triple eight say ESPN 888 729 3776. More of your calls coming up next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
1: Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. Man, they, they ticked you off, huh? I mean, they ticked you off, my man. I, that, that, I'm just saying, like, let, we make these things so complex. Like, uh, but I, I love the fact you said it with your chest, too. Like, you, you said it with your
0: chest. You know what? I'm out here. I'm just out. I'm, like, <laughs> oh, sh- oh, my God. I'm out in these streets now. That's what's happening. I'm, <laughs> these- yeah, I'm out here.
1: He said, I'm out here. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm out see in these you streets. streets. Please I see clip you that you. off. <laughs> Evan and Devin, please clip that off. Please.
0: What if winning a a regular season award in the NBA was tied to how many games you actually played that season? Sounds crazy, but it's something players were surveyed on by The Athletic, and the response was interesting. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We are presented by Progressive Insurance Jordan Poole in his contract, according to The Athletic and a little bit of Google search here, makes an extra 250 k if he plays 65 regular season games and the Warriors reach the playoffs. Several of those types of uh, bonuses. He has to play 65 games in order to reach those bonuses, though, and it makes me think, Harry, that there could be a solution where the NBA could create a bonus pool depending on, uh, you know, you just it's a little extra kick. Oh my gosh, you made it to 65 games? Here's an extra few million dollars. It could be a way for the league to incentivize guys that, you know, may want to take a load management day but also kind of want to go out there and get them a nice new truck but you know
1: you know what's crazy about that is that and, and it's sad i'm about to say this that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to them nothing is nothing, nothing. right like yeah. it would it would have to be way higher than that but i'm still on the side of uh why are we incentivizing people for doing what they're supposed to do doing like, their, to show doing up their and, jobs yeah and do the job yeah
0: all right, well, let's get to the calls. 888-SAY-ESPN, you're so right about that. What about a, a perfect attendance award? H say espn <laughs> 888-729-3776. Paul in Rochester, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got?
1: Well, I was just, uh, thanks.
0: Love your guys' show. Thanks. Um, you know, I grew up in the era of Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan didn't take any days off, and imagine the amount of money he would make today. I'm thinking that maybe mvp they put a percentage of games they might have to play in order to receive the mvp maybe 80 percent of the games of the year something like that and i also love the idea of putting incentives in the contracts for playing a certain amount of games i mean all jobs have that my job has that that you know you don't take days off and then at the end of your career when you retire you get x amount of dollars in your contract what do you think no. Well, oh well. Hold on, fish. Yeah, like, I was gonna say shoot, I don't shoot, have that. In my contract.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like we gotta hit up Mark and Sean. Uh, we uh, we <laughs> gotta got like, hold on. Now we're gonna have
0: a have a long conversation with our with our agent. My, Harry and I got the same agent. We're gonna have to have a long conversation about this one here. Like uh, you know, I I think it's funny though. If anytime somebody says, "Well, Michael never missed a game," other than when he was playing baseball, uh, unless of course he was not actually playing baseball and he just wasn't allowed to play basketball because he really bet on the NBA. Nobody wanted him around the league. Like, none of us will ever know. Also, like, that it's a little bit, your grandpa probably working at the factory didn't get as many days off as you do or working nowadays. Like, uh, paternity leave didn't exist for people. I guess we shouldn't do that anymore. Uh, maternity leave for a long time, you know, my God, if you were a woman and you got pregnant, they just fired you. So I guess, is that the, like, where do we draw the line? Like, the world changes. I don't really care what a basketball player in the 90s did or didn't get compared to a basketball player in 2023 good god
1: all right well well, well, i'll say this and and it's a difference like the game is played differently now but i will say this the mindset of players now isn't the mindset that players had back then though the mindsets are different yeah and rightfully so like things change you know you have to innovate and you know the the we have the internet is at a whole nother level we used to have to dial up stuff back then when i was coming up but
0: but the, the weirdest thing to me is that every other thing, and I know we got to take calls. I'm on a soapbox for a second. Why is it in everything we do in the world we want better for our kids, other than sports? So you want like you want your kid to have to outwork what Michael Jordan did because that was the standard he set. Like to me, if if they're looking at it and saying this is the way the world works at this point, I want my kids to be able to go out there and succeed. Like why do we want everything to be more difficult? Like this is the, no different than football fans that sit there and say, "Well, in my day, they allowed that." Cool, and now we got people's brains rotting. Like, maybe, maybe figuring out better ways isn't the worst thing for all that Devin's but got his I, but hand up. Why do we got Fitz, our hands up? But, but, but,
1: but I would say this because, I mean, I, I just recently retired the 2017-2018 season. Fitz, I practiced with the flu, bro. Like, the flu. Like, literally. Like, I wasn't missing any – If if I was going to miss something, it was going to be because something is broke, I had a torn ACL – or something was really, really wrong with me. That's not the mindset of players nowadays. I, and you know that. And but you also got that dog in you,
0: right? And like like yes. I, I was saying the other day when we were talking about my music career. I remember one show where they put a bucket next to me and in between fiddle solos, I just leaned over and was like, Bleh! and then I got up and I kept playing. Now, was it a, a horrible, horrible 90 minutes for me? Yeah, but that was my job and I took I for me, I took it seriously that people paid money to come see a concert, right? Like you and I show up to this show every day, no matter how we feel, no matter what we're doing, because this show is important to us. Like, you either got that dog or you don't have that dog. But if you are athletically gifted enough to make it in the NFL and you don't have that dog, then, I, I mean, good on good on you, I guess. I, like, it just doesn't bother me the same way it bothers so many people. And, like, and,
1: and, and, I, and I want all our callers to, to hang on. We're, we're going to get to you at some point. But I will <laughs> say this. My, my last year in Tennessee, right, the first day of training camp, I'm out there catching punts. Somebody's horsing around and hits me right before the punt comes and next thing you know, it messes up my thumb. And now I got to wear a thumb cast. You, do you think you think I missed time? Coaches told me, "Hey man, like you know, take it easy." Nope. I'm out there catching with 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 nine fingers with a thumb cast on my thumb.
0: And what what do we say all the time? Like, "Give me give me nine other Harry Douglases in any any Uh, length of the world, right? Like, I I want NBA players to play every single game like it's the end of the world. Uh, But I also, like I've said on this show repeatedly over the last month... I also think when you're judged by championships and the only thing that matters is championships, you're not going to get a gold star or even remembered for playing all 82 games. You will get a gold star and be remembered if you lift the Larry OB. We've created that world. Like That ain't my world. That's just what has been created. Do the Packers actually want Aaron Rodgers back? We'll ask an expert and we'll get to your calls. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: It's Harry the podcast.